Welcome to Ahsoka, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the journey between this galaxy and the next. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, Pete. I didn't expect to see you so soon. The Ahsoka podcast by Fantastic Geek ignites our lightsabers for part four, Fallen Jedi. Pete, from that galaxy to ours, yesterday was Star Trek Day. The day before that, Lower Decks had a two-episode premiere, and tomorrow we'll be talking about both of them. Really excited to talk about the new content, Matt. Speaking of content, Marvel moving forward. We have Loki Season 2 scheduled to begin October 6th. Will they keep to it? Will they not? Ahsoka kept to it. But Matt, Kang's removed trial has been moved again. I don't have the legal knowledge to understand what is going on with this Jonathan Majors trial, which, you know, if there was physical abuse, that's that's disturbing. The flip side is it's also not, you know, serial killer level stuff here. How is it that they'll, they'll be a court date and then they show up and say, actually, the, 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 actually, the prosecution isn't ready. We need 30 more days. Okay, give you a September date. Rolling up to that September date. Uh, actually, the defense feels that the prosecution hasn't given enough discovery evidence. Okay, let's do, let's do another date. Like, I don't know what the truth is. I would like the legal process to move forward here just for the sake of, you know, both he and the woman are claiming on some level to be victims here. And I would, I would like this resolved just as somebody would like a clean sheet of justice or whatever. Um, certainly, you know, with respect towards the victims and so forth, is that great PR news for Disney? It is for that Loki date next month that we're not in the middle of a trial. And there's not pull quotes of he said this and she said that and 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 that sort of thing. But it's a really and look, I understand we also have high priced lawyers involved. And did the NYPD do the right thing? Was did she tell a lie? Did he was he profiled? Like I understand there's there's factors on top of factors here, but boy, it's just a really weird situation for again on 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 one level a court case that is you know that is not crime of the century Hannibal Lecter type stuff it is a really unusual uh situation we will continue to monitor it and what it means for our coverage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe but returning to a galaxy far far away Matt to Ahsoka notes here one from the merchandising realm uh, in what was scheduled alongside Ahsoka, but still really hadn't shown up until this most recent episode, the Star Wars HasLab Ghost project at $499.99 was funded for all its tiers in the day after this most recent episode uh began streaming uh needed that little push uh they needed to get over 17,000 backers to unlock special figures that'll only be with this of Ezra of Kane and Jarrus of Zeb Aurelius uh and it ended on September 6th 
and I'll see mine next year, and so will 21,766 other people. It's really exciting that Hasbro has figured out this way to explore projects that might that may or may not have uh let's say you know minimal financial the, the minimum of financial appeal that would make sense for hasbro and to have this haslab model where it's kind of maybe fan funded is is not quite the right word uh although you know just this idea of those who want can get and if they fall short of the number then that's not a number that works and it's not going to happen so that's exciting news there i know pete you're probably wishing that the the time between uh, getting that credit card charged and when it finally shows up, that's going to feel like a long time, but hopefully the wait is worth it. Uh, they've raised $10.8 million, $10 million in this project here. Uh, and as you said, the, the waiting now begins. All those credit cards charged right after the campaign ended, but it'll be the only time, the only way you'll ever be able to, it's now passed, get your hands on a ghost and uh, that ship's not going away, given that we know it appears in The Rise of Skywalker. But Matt, Star Wars is returning to theater screens on Tuesday. Uh, Pete, have they secretly made the 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 Ray Jedi Academy trilogy? What's what's happening on Tuesday? Not yet. Uh, episode five, part five of Ahsoka will be available on select theater screens in places like New York and Los Angeles. And as you said, still plenty of good seats in Seattle. <laughs> I appreciate that they're doing it on the more limited end because what are you going to get? You know, as Star Wars, as as Disney, PR, et cetera, what are you going to get? Sold out theaters, rabid fans, the line as people wait, people with tickets wait to get in. A lot of great quotes, a lot of great video footage and so forth. Would it be nice if they did more than like 12 theaters in the entire United States? That would be nice, um, but it, it is what it is. Uh, I, Pete, I don't mourn the fact that we cannot see it in our area. I celebrate the fact that people... We'll be enjoying it in the theater, and worse comes to worse. Um, is there a place I can also see it on Tuesday? Oh, yes, my couch at 9 o'clock. So it all works out. It does. Well, with that, Pete, let's chart a course into this episode. Sparks illuminate as Hu Yang works on repairs in the cockpit of the T-6 and is joined by Sabine, who attempts to contact Hera on home one again, but to no avail. A Yang announces he will try to cannibalize some of the wiring from the secondary motivator to see if he can rewire the transmitter. Sabine asks him where to find Ahsoka to find she is outside where she tells her comms are still down and the primary power converter is offline. Translation, they can't send a distress signal and they're unable to leave. Ahsoka tells Sabine that Hu Yang said the enemy ground base isn't far away and they'll start there. Ahsoka recaps their enemy has the map and the means to get where they want to go. Ahsoka fears they face a difficult choice. If they can't make the journey to find Ezra, then no one should. 
Sabine tells her it won't come to that, but Ahsoka says it might have already. Sabine fears Ezra would be stranded wherever for good, but Ahsoka says that might be better than allowing Thrawn to return as heir to the Empire. They said the thing, Pete. They said the thing, which granted was also in the trailer, but they said the thing. Uh, can Ahsoka count on Sabine? The answer is yes. Ahsoka ponders and tells Hu Yang to be careful. Uh, but we see that looking on is an HK droid back at what I call the batty circle of rocks. <laughs> Shin reports that uh, the Jedi starship has been found. It's just a, a mere dozen clicks away. Shin will be sent to delay them from coming to the circle of rocks to interrupt the culmination of the mapping activity here. Balin is worried about the forthcoming storm of drama. Uh, we get the title, Part 4, <laughs> Fallen Jedi. Pete, I know there's been a lot of this discussion. You don't want to call them Sith. You don't want to call them, is it Grey Jedi? No, we're never, ever going to call them that. Can you, A, well, A, can you, l l let's kind of work slightly backwards here. Are you okay calling some people Fallen Jedi in this episode? And then can you explain your concern with the title Grey Jedi? I mean, what are who is the fallen jedi in this episode they're myriad are they not uh i would agree yeah uh no we're not saying gray jedi because there's the light there's the dark that's it wow only a pete deals in absolutes <laughs> uh we come back in the episode with hu yang exiting the ship in order to fix it baddies uh, moving in closer and closer inside sabine has put on her mandalorian armor ahsoka looks on going to her should ahsoka be worried sabine says no they both reflect on ezra being missing uh and their need to act in the greater good despite personal feelings pete may may i observe that these two women sure spent a lot of time sharing scenes together, talking about how important Ezra is and how much they miss Ezra and how decisions are defined by Ezra and so forth. It does not exactly pass the Bechdel test, but what does pass as good writing here is the affectation that Sabine is scrambling through her bag as she's getting ready. Ahsoka sees this, come comes over and gives her what she's looking for it was right there all along. Hey, it's going to be okay. Uh, so we have that. Outside again, Hu Yang is making progress. Hooray! Uh, but he hears a space twig snap. Uh, Pete, they, of course, are not in space, but it is a space twig, nonetheless, exotic sci-fi twig. He looks on. Uh, then an HK droid attacks, and we get... We get powerful droid-on-droid -droid action here. Rock'em, sock'em robots, Matt. It's awesome, and I didn't know I needed it. It's 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 good stuff. It's a good fight here. Um, he's using some of his, uh, you know, bladesmith shoulder uh, tools and so forth at various points in the fight. Ultimately, he's able to shut down the ship's power. Uh, and Sabine wonders, oh, what did that droid do? But Ahsoka knows it's a sign. 
outside the ship once they make it out there, Pete. We got Jedi action. We got Mandalorian action. We got baddie goon action. This is Star Wars. It is. This was the clip they put out uh, shortly before the episode. Sabine donning her helmet, full Mando mode, using her best guard of block blaster bolts as Ahsoka slices away. Uh, Ahsoka pulls a guard in front of the fire of another with the force to finish him off. And Sabine lassos another closer so Ahsoka can cut him down and the forest becomes still again, except for the gentle falling of leaves. Space leaves, Pete. Space leaves. <laughs> the fight over, Hu Yang is told to fix the transmitter above all else and to reach out to General Sindula. He advises that Ahsoka and Sabine must work together. Uh, at the fleet, Hera is flagged down by Hawkins, trying to keep her there. Uh, she cannot leave without authorization. Uh, but she will, even though, Pete, that means she will miss the general staff meeting. Think of something, Hawkins. Uh, Pete, is there a Hawkins action figure that one can buy yet? No, there is a Lego uh, version of him that comes with the ghost, as well as the Mon Calamari we've seen hanging around him before. Um, but the lieutenant here, uh, as he mutters over uh, what he will think of for the general staff meeting left in the hangar. Jason Sundula is waiting in the co-pilot seat, Matt, in a cockpit in which you really got to know to look for it. But there is a photo sitting ahead of uh, Hera's console that we will talk all about in theories. Uh, as the ghost launches, she has five X-Wings in metaphorical tow that have joined her. And why, who's in charge of that X-Wing squadron is, of course, uh, Carson Teva, making this episode, nay, this series, officially part of the Teva Cinematic Universe. Uh, <laughs> with that, it's light speed to Endor, or, you know, wherever we're going, I guess it's technically Toast, But, you know, light speed to it, nonetheless. And Pete, take us to our villains. The hyperspace ring lowers into the atmosphere above the shoreline where Morgan Elsbeth and Balin watch. She says once the guideline is established, they will be able to calculate the hyperspace coordinates. He tells her that with the jump they're attempting, if her calculations are off, even by a little, they will be lost to the depths of the void. No pressure. She places her hand over the map orb and tells him to have faith. He lost that a long time ago. She raises the map with a finger and activates it, which Balin calls witchcraft. On the Eye of Scion, a droid calculates hyperspace coordinates. Even as Ahsoka and Sabine start to make their way to the perimeter, and it is in that spot that they meet Shin and Marok. Shin is prepared to stop them. Shin and Sabine fight off to the side while Marok lights his double-sided lightsaber singular and Ahsoka prepares her two lightsabers plural. Uh, it's nice, Pete, that the, the one with one lightsaber who's less skilled paired off with the one with lightsaber who's le less skilled and the one that's got 
two blades on a wheel fights the one that's got two blades in in two hands back to shin and sabine uh the latter also has brought blasters to a saber fight uh, or is it vice versa who is who is less prepared here and indeed as sabine gets force pushed into a tree maybe it is she who is less prepared uh there's also great casual moments here as shin you know cuts into and cuts down a tree with her mighty blade with sabine athletically dodging it and now igniting her lightsaber as ahsoka and Marok uh continue to duel he acrobatically her really elegantly a droid at the shoreline gets a second yellow slice on the coordinating coordinates indicating progress as the duels continue Marok does the helicopter spin and advances ahsoka slashes through him and he falls as sabine and shin continue Marok's lightsaber extinguishes before he turns to dust which gets the attention of sabine and shin as their sabers are locked and they disengage in disbelief sabine yells to ahsoka to go and get the map she's got shin ahsoka runs off and shin tells sabine she will regret the decision at the rocky outcrop uh we see that we're at about 40 percent. by the way i love that whatever these slices are like they're not lot they're not like easily defined portions of a clock like you're not doing like 25 percent, 50 percent, or or you know thirds or quarters whatever it is it's some weird odd number that just is feels feels very authentically star wars story here clock <laughs> it, that it, indeed it is a story clock um we see that morgan is making her way up to the ship and uh balin will stay here to protect her map uh, on the outskirts ahsoka indeed also sees morgan's ship rise up Ahsoka enters the map area, the rocky circle, uh, and sees Balin in due course. He says that Anakin always spoke highly of her. And Pete, the best response here, one that we should all keep filed away when when someone, you know, uh, someone on the on the opposite side of the 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 table, the aisle, whatever, says, you know, something that could be a compliment. Her reply here: Anakin never mentioned Balin at all. Oh, fantastic. He, he uncloaks and says that few would see what Anakin became. Is that why she walked away from him? Abandoning him, adding there. Uh, she removes her cloak and says she's not there to discuss her past, which is almost as good a response as before. Uh, Balin tells her the only reason he's there is to secure the future. She asks if it's the future for him, but he says something far greater. Ahsoka calls it ambitious and Balin calls it necessary. She asks him about finding, starting another Star War necessary. He says he's not starting one, but Thrawn will. He adds it is an unfortunate evil, but speaks to a greater truth. One must destroy in order to create. Ahsoka grabs her lightsaber from her waist, and Balin remarks, how inevitable. 
They ignite and slowly circle as he guards the map. She attacks and he powerfully defends. I get that we are informed by samurai films, Japanese cinematic convention and so forth. There's maybe a little too much tension slowly building in the stillness for my tastes, but but that's okay. We cut to the ring ship uh, where Morgan sees that we are now at about 55%. Another slice of pie. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, she's told that the fight is happening down there. Uh, however, in a few moments, the final coordinates will be calculated. We go back to the fight as Balin force throws a rock and Ahsoka ducks. The count is now up to about 75%, even as the choreography makes it clear that Balin is keeping Ahsoka away from the map. But Pete, take us back to Sabine and Shin. Uh, they continue to fight as Sabine's helmet lies on the ground and watches. Shin elbows her to the face. Stunned, Sabine drops her saber and uses Beskar on her arm to deflect Shin's saber. Shin kicks her down, and Sabine outstretches her right hand, and Shin reacts if, if, as if bracing for the force before telling her she has no power. But Sabine closes her hand and shoots from her gauntlet, knocking Shin's saber out of her hands. The old whistling bird trick there. Back to Balin, he notes Ahsoka's legacy is like that of her master, death and destruction. Ultimately, Ahsoka is able to pull the map sphere away. It burns her hand. We cut back to Shin, who throws a smoke bomb and disappears. We go up to Morgan's ship, saying that the final calculation is incomplete. Ahsoka having pulled out the round USB drive moments before download had happened. Uh, and Balin then attacks Ahsoka, the latter of which is now fighting one-handed uh, as Shin arrives and the order given, go get the map. Uh, and Ahsoka infers that Sabine is down, perhaps gone, dead, etc. Uh, and in a really nice moment here, a little show of anger from Ahsoka, force launches Shin into those rocky outcrops that surround the circle. Yes, knocking her unconscious against the hinge. Balin swings at Ahsoka, forcing her closer to the cliff. They lock sabers over it. She using her burned hand to wield the force. And he tells her it didn't need to come to this, but she knows no other way. Suddenly Sabine yells to stop and she has a blaster on Balin and the map in her hand, which Ahsoka tells her to destroy. She aims her pistol at it and tells Balin to step away from Ahsoka. He slashes and sends Ahsoka off the hinge toward the water, shocking Sabine. He comes toward her, easily deflecting Sabine's fire, and she aims at the map again to get him to stop. He tells her he should do as she should do as her master says she would have. Ahsoka, that is. Uh, Sabine tells him to stay back, but says... He says, uh, Sabine isn't like Ahsoka, is she? Um, he closes his eyes for a moment and extinguishes his saber to tell her he knows she feels Ezra Bridger is the only family she has left. Sabine tells him 
he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he says he knows that's what's holding her back. He tells her he knows her family died on Mandalore because Ahsoka didn't trust her. He says they share a common goal to make this journey. Her to be reunited with her friend and he to serve a greater good. He asks her to come with him willingly and he gives her his word. No harm will come to her. He tells her she will be reunited and it's the only way as he stretches out his hand, which she pauses and hesitantly places the map into. As he moves to put it back on the pedestal, though, she starts to pant and the force rumbles. She drops and Shin is behind her with her hand outstretched. Balin tells her to release Sabine, but she does not. He calls her name a second time and she stops. Balin tells her he gave Sabine her word and unlike Sabine's former master, he shall keep his as he reactivates the map. Morgan is given the update that Balin has fixed the situation. Info is flowing again. And indeed, boop, boop, boop. The calculations are complete. We go back to Hu Yang, uh, finally getting that message from Fulcrum saying to the fleet that they are on Setos and need help. In space, the Ghost and the X-Wings arrive and they're brought up to speed about the nature of this hyperspace ring that is now in the upper atmosphere. On the surface, Balin is recalled to that same hyperspace ring ship uh, and he lightsabers the map into nothing, saying that no one will be following them. The ring rises more and more past the clouds. The main drive is online, uh, even as... Carson Teva orders the iconic lock S-foils into attack positions. Uh, Balin's shuttle officially docks our baddies, that's Balin, that's Shin, plus Sabine joining Morgan and the lowly folk on the bridge. Uh, and Morgan is pleased and says to simply ignore the Republic ships, start to activate the hyperdrive, and uh, kudos on the, whether it's physical set design, digital set design, whatever it is, I just thought that was stuff in the background. I didn't know that it was hyperspace stuff that would start to <laughs> rattle and glow and sound as uh, this giant engine with a relatively small control room uh, all comes to power. Humming and lighting up powerfully. The rebels close in and Hera asks if Carson is reading what she is. A tremendous surge in power. She says it's the hyperdrive and they're going to jump. Elspeth watches as the stars come closer and the eye of Scion jumps, sending the rebels reeling. Two X-Wings collide. R.I.P. Rodian pilot. Hera and Carson watch the energy signature speed off. Chopper says something and Jason tells his mom he has a bad feeling. That's maybe a bit too much for me, Dave Filoni. Just that that was that was one little you know you have enough salt when it feels like not enough and too much at the same time, but then when there's too much salt, it just tastes like salt. In that moment, it was salt. On the surface, Huyang calls for Sabine, for Ahsoka, but there is no response. At the cliff's edge, we see the waves crashing, and this is when I was like 
and we're going to cut to Ahsoka hanging on the bottom of the cliff, right? And the camera just keeps moving past the cliff, over the water, over the water. Um, we continue to move across the water until we land on an Ahsoka close-up. She's upside down. Is this the astral plane, the other place, whatever it is? Uh, it clearly is is not where she just was. Uh, and then, Pete, she hears a voice subtitled as Mysterious Voice, but calling her Snips. And we know in our heart at least part of what is about to happen next. Uh, she asks if it's her master. The voice says he didn't expect to see her so soon as she turns to see Anakin Skywalker in his Jedi clothing. She says his name and he smiles. The screen goes black and the theme of Darth Vader plays. Time to peer into the force for some theories. So, Pete, I know we want to get to the place between here and the next world and all of that. But first, let's rewind and go to Marok. Ever since I saw him uh, explode in a in a hiss of <laughs> dust or whatever, I said, I don't, you know, I, I know it was me, the Stars War, pretty good. But I can't wait for Pete to definitively explain this and say, you see in the novels and then picked up in the force away or the, the, the force, whatever game, and then carried over into the comics. So I'm just going to sit back and let you explain what happened to Marok and that whole background. Go ahead. Okay. So was he uh star killer Gar- Galen Marek? Was he uh, a resurrected Canaan? Was he Ezra? Uh, it seems to have been some form of witchcraft. My only question would be, if it was a misdirect, why would you make him wield an Inquisitor lightsaber and utilize that type of design? Why not go for something a, a little more out of left field than to, to take something like we've seen before? Are they toying with us? I don't know. Um, Matt, apparently there's all sorts of name analysis into Maroc that uh, goes into the the mythology. It's Arthurian mythology. Uh, Maroc was an honorable knight who was resurrected, get this, by witches into the form of a wolf. Uh, I'd say all of that, all of that checks boxes for Dave Filoni. Um, I would also, uh, uh, Pete, I'm thinking of when the numbers in Lost were first revealed within a couple of weeks. I remember starting to read a theory by somebody who had a physics background and a music theory background explaining the combination of those numbers and deep physics and deep music theory. And it all kind of, at a certain point, I couldn't keep track anymore because that's not, neither of those are my backgrounds. But my point being, it ended up not being a physics music theory answer. I think that you have identified here at Marok's name, perhaps 
a series of origin points for the character, I would be somewhat hesitant as to say, I'd be hesitant to say rather, you know, therefore he will become a wolf. Like this is a direct lift as opposed to Filoni needs a name here and he's, or he's thinking up characters and digs into tales of King Arthur and comes across this and incorporates some of it as a character, as I said, as a character origin, as opposed to a character destination. Yeah. What we know for now, probably permanently, the character is gone. Uh, okay. What's the most likely explanation? Morgan Elspeth used magic to give them another henchman who had a lightsaber. Who could die uh, halfway through the, 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 episode the series series run yeah yeah i okay okay and and that's fine but that also doesn't mean it wasn't star killer uh who was voiced by uh sam witwer that can't come back or have another one made of or anything like that i know a lot of people were keyed in on that this is not the central mystery of this show it's an ancillary one it's something that went Along with it, boy, we were all talking about it. It's not what we expected to happen. Uh, It was interesting nonetheless. On to your point raised about the the iconography of a quasi-Inquisitor outfit and the Inquisitor double lightsaber with optional helicopter action and all of that. I mean, Uh, even to the point where one of his shoulders is done the same way that the star killer outfit is well i i don't have an answer as to this to the star killer end but could it be in universe could it be that the the morgan elsbeth and and friends you know the the kind of the the dark return to the empire i think back to the uh you know the shadow council that we saw at the end of mandalorian season three and so forth could they be a could they be physically um you know could they physically have leftover inquisitor stuff and even if they don't could they be pulling from that iconography you know if one thinks back for example to the kenobi series so you know earlier 20 20 years earlier in the uh the timeline when that inquisitor when the inquisitors showed up you knew you know they were sheriffs above the law that sort of thing and there was that fear built in Let's now fast forward to to this point in the timeline. Could it be that as Morgan was looking for the stuff that one makes a witch, you know, a straw man out of and so forth, that there was the decision, let's have him look like an Inquisitor because people still remember when that Inquisitor shows up, you get out of the way. I mean, that works as well. Uh, Not everything you're going to inject into a show has to land with such hyper meaning uh again visually interesting character fun to watch seems like uh might be the end of him here pete i'm glad that you are affirming that every twist and turn in the story is not necessarily filled with meaning and filled with the meaning that certain members in the audience want let's talk about the end of the episode has dave filoni created a second timeline which now has wiped away the sequel series because good anakin will be back somehow by the end of this series and look he's officially multiversed it and he's come into save star wars from kathy kennedy his boss 
Yeah. So what we are probably seeing is what's been come to call the world between worlds, which first showed up in uh, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, Ezra wound up there and uh, Ahsoka had joined the show first as the shadowy informant Fulcrum, uh, which is another question to chew over for this episode, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, ultimately revealing herself and then fighting Darth Vader, uh, learning it was Anakin Skywalker and his fate at the end of the second season, um, and ultimately being left behind there, it being uh, unclear what happened to her. Um, in the fourth season, Ezra winds up in this nether realm, if you will, and is able to peer into the fight between Vader and Ahsoka and pluck her out of it, at which point she comes with him and they return to Lothal. Um, so there is time stuff afoot in that story. Will they be doing that type of stuff here remains to be seen. What they will not be doing is what you suggested. The idea that we're going to pluck Anakin Skywalker. Uh, well, first off, he's already there. So it's not like we're taking him from, you know, another point. And now we will bring him to the post-return of the Jedi uh, timeline where he died as Darth Vader, uh, restoring balance to the Force and making the sacrifice for his son to fight along Ahsoka and basically do uh, Clone Wars over again. So what is this Anakin? What is this Anakin that we are seeing? I mean, first and foremost, there's, um, I don't, I don't fault the episode for, uh, there's a lot of knots here. So how about this? It's okay that the episode did not, go to the trouble to completely de-age him Robert Downey Jr. style. Like, yes, I would agree, Pete. He, he looks, uh, you know, his costume and so forth is of the, uh, of the prequel, uh, era, you know, the guy looks younger than his current age. I think he's about <laughs> 45. He looks younger than that. If you want to pause and sit and go, I see where there's extra makeup or I see where there, you know, whatever that that's all fine. But those things aside, what Anakin is this from what time is this, is this a, 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 an echo of the good that still is in Darth Vader? What, what is this guy? So the hair is shorter than uh, episode three. Um, this is an Anakin from when Ahsoka knew him. Uh, we get him to speak in live action her nickname that a lot of people chafed at initially, Snips, short for Snippy. Um, we knew that he was coming in the fifth episode. Obviously, there's more. Did not expect to get him here, but it's a great point to uh, leave the story for a week. The possibilities of what he could be. Is this a force ghost? 
is this some sort of memory projection of hers. Let's not forget, she went over the cliff. Just because we see her in this space doesn't mean she's actually in this space. She's been there before. Uh, is this her imagination? Is this what she needs to see in order to survive? Um, if we're going to say that he's not a forest ghost and he is corporally there, it opens up the question, she's going to be able to leave. It's her show. Can he somehow get out? Can he be saved? Um, as I said before, Ezra pulled Ahsoka away from Vader, uh, saving her from that point, uh, even though it was nebulous whether or not she had survived, seemed like she did. We, we saw her after that duel going uh, deeper into the Sith temple. Um, the Vader theme at the end, I think, is the reminder that there's a lot more going on here. And Anakin and his persona as Darth Vader forever tied together she knows this clearly this all needs to be disclosed next episode hence why it'll be on in a couple cities the big screen i appreciate your reminder of you know his force ghost uh it, the, the simple answer the simple possibility that it is his force ghost um i'm reminded but he's not of shimmering blue so they're not using that well, maybe everybody to, maybe everybody here. shimmers blue in the world between worlds or maybe you don't need the shimmer when you're well, you don't need to right yeah. like she could be a go she could be gone right now yeah um is off the top well you, you i i'm gonna say off the top of your head you probably can uh answer this with immediate recall is what he is wearing identical to his force ghost appearance at the end of return of the Jedi special edition. No, because they put his head on, uh, oh, yes. Sebastian Shaw's outfit and he's, he's wearing like an Obi-Wan, uh, old man style outfit that they digitally put, uh, revenge of the Sith Hayden Christensen's head on where his hair is longer. Um, would it be something if, I, I was going to say, if McClunky style, wouldn't it be something if in the next <laughs> week somebody, you know, well, I mean, look, could it be that a minor, I'm going to propose, I've not looked this up. I assume it would have already hit the internet if it had happened, but could it be in the next week that maybe a minor edit is made to Return of the Jedi and now we get him in full body, you know, in a full body outfit, not that imperfect edit there. And that might. If nothing else, I know that there are still people who are upset that he upset that that he uh, Hayden Christensen, Anakin, young Anakin, you know, the one who was good before he went bad. But now he appears in Return of the Jedi, which side note, I like that as a choice. I like that as an edit um, because that is the guy that we that is the character that we spent three movies with okay it was not hayden christensen in the first movie but that's kind of like the the anakin origin um and i think that if you're going to be doing a special edition that that's a good edit to make but again you can edit on top of edits without doing a whole lot of fanfare 
Yeah, and it's begged the question ever since that change, okay, what do you resemble when you become the force ghost? The last thing that you were when you were good, the last thing that you were at all. Uh, again, you wipe away an actor's face that had been there for uh, 20 some odd years, uh, but you don't do it in the makeup because it would have been probably prohibitively expensive to, to do it when he's all burned up and uh, Luke takes his, his mask off. Um, he is wearing what he wears in episode three. Uh, we know, of course, from the end of the Clone Wars that uh, Ahsoka and Anakin uh, speak to one another after she's left the Jedi Order. There's uh, head off in this direction to go save the Chancellor for the beginning of episode three. There's she heads off to Mandalore and is fighting Darth Maul and then everything goes down. Um, and this is all Dave Filoni stuff. So, you know, he he knows what it is. He has very strong feelings about what it means to be a Jedi. And he is the guy that has post George Lucas established a lot of the lore and legend of what happens. You know, let's not forget that that sixth Clone War season uh, after it had been canceled from Cartoon Network that Netflix uh, had as an exclusive for some time, did a whole arc on uh, Yoda uh, going into the the nether world of the Force. So if there's anybody that we should trust with what's going on here, it's Dave Baloney. If not George Lucas and Matt, I don't think they're bringing him back for this. Has has he been consulted? Did Dave have discussions with him? Uh, that it was always meant to go this way. Who knows? We're along for the ride, uh, but we we just don't know. There's all sorts of rumors about what this fifth episode is going to be, that there will be alternate flashbacks, that um, Anakin and Ahsoka will duel on Mustafar instead of Anakin and, and Obi-Wan, that there will be flashbacks to uh, the Clone Wars with the two of them, including Anakin wearing the early Clone Wars animation outfits with the, the Jedi insignia on his shoulder and a little bit more red that we never saw in live action. And also um, a different actress playing a teenage Ahsoka uh, specifically one who's been on Game of Thrones. We just don't know. Nobody has seen this. Looking ahead to next week's episode, it feels it feels like the story has pretty definitively said, you know, now that Balin has destroyed the map, uh, as much as we've been balancing kind of the, the Hera end of the story from the main part of the story, it appears there's no way to go after... Um, Sabine and our baddies with Purgle? No. Well, but look, is that still possible? Yes. Do I think that 
uh, well, uh, let me just say before we talk about continue to talk about this world, could Ahsoka go from the world between worlds and suddenly appear on the the hyperspace ring ship? I mean, yes, I feel like that's no one would bat an eye at, at a story move like that. Do do you think that Hera and Jason and Carson Teva and other survivor that they're gonna that they're in a position to easily wrestle some purgle and uh who yang who holds the jedi secrets to it and david tennant um i i think that that seems the the most likely solve i'm gonna i'm gonna say that they're waiting there when the hyperspace ring plus thrawn plus thrawn's epic star destroyer or whatever when they all return um i guess we'll 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 have to wait and see is fulcrum the name of the t6 ship is it going by that now or are they still using fulcrum as an identifier i think it's more the the identifier of the 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 person in charge of the secret for lack of a better word the mission commander whatever you, whatever you want it to be um i think that you know if we rewind to the you know star wars rebels era of stories if ahsoka is on another ship it's kind of, it's kind of like air force one if ahsoka is on another ship and needs to get the message out the message is coming from fulcrum it's not like oh geez i'm on a i'm on a quad quad jumper here i gotta say something else because i can't claim to be fulcrum i think similarly uh we have hu yang sending that out because whoever in the pardon me in the uh in the republic is receiving that message they know fulcrum is code for these two people plus the droid this ship general mission general situation and so forth so in that cockpit matt there is a photo of what looks like Kane and Jarrus right ahead of Hera's uh, station on the ghost. Uh, it's really hard to zoom in on. You can't tell if it's Freddie Prince. It's a great detail. Is he coming? I don't know that the presence of the picture, regardless of whether it's Freddie Prince Jr. or straight out of animation or you know, a handsome set decorator, you know, whatever it might be. I don't know. I mean, I feel like in universe, it is really smart set decoration. And sometimes we forget that there, there, there are people where their only job is to walk onto a newly constructed set, something that the carpenters and electricians have built. And it's their sole job to, you know, yes, they're being informed by the script. Yes. They're being informed by, uh, you know, sketches and drawings and so forth and meetings with producers and all of that. But it's their job to imagine out the stuff in this place and to say w- which of the switches are going to be up and which are going to be down and which of the blinky lights are green and which in red or all of that. And, you know, what do we do in the bed area? Is it a rumpled pillow or this or that? And do we put a, you know, let's, let's be in Hera's mindset for a moment. Would she put uh, a quick picture of, of her late husband uh, in the cockpit. To me, that makes sense. And that's the extent of my prognostication on it. You know, could he show up in some, some extraordinary story capacity, the world between worlds or flashback and so forth? Absolutely. But I don't hang that all on the presence of the picture. 
is Hera a ranger of the New Republic? And will she, with Carson Teva, show up in Mandalorian Season 4 whenever the heck that gets filmed after both strikes finally get settled? Uh, she might be on her path to losing that losing that general rank, and she might need to become a ranger of the New Republic. Um, I think a bit more seriously, I, you know, I appreciate how this episode and certainly prior ones, the Mon Mothma one and so forth, they show this tension between, you know, the, the rebels who do what they must. And then once you've achieved government, you have acceptable and, and unacceptable governmental behavior. Pete, if you can imagine such a thing being a clearly defined area, uh, perhaps only in the world of star Wars. Um, but I think that when this is all over, she's going to get her slap on the wrist. Um, if, 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 if that, uh, for busting out on, I mean, the ghost is her personal ship. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, what did she do? She left, she left HQ on her own ship. Okay. Some other X wings that I guess were already on patrol or something. Wink, wink, um, met up with her and happened to fly in the same direction. You know, I think there's, when you're a high up general, when you're Carson Teva, who's, uh, on the one hand on the edge of civilization, trying to keep things together, but also, we saw in Mandalorian season three, the bosses on Coruscant aren't really, you know, taking him seriously. He's not, you know, whatever the chief of the secret service or whatever, that when he says it, you know, he's not James Bond where somebody says, well, if you say you saw Goldfinger doing this, we're going to immediately get the army, get the Navy, get the double O like he is a lowly guy on the other end. So I think this is, this is a side quest when it comes to that, that organizational chart for the fleet, for the, for the Republic and so forth. What is Balin's far greater future? Unfortunately, not past this season with the passing of Ray Stevenson. And I, I marveled again in this episode, the gravitas that he brings, the sadness that are in the character's eyes. Uh, th there's a story going on there. I hope that in the next, what, four episodes, I hope that we get more of that, more of his whether he's telling it, whether it's flashback footage, whatever it might be, um, this notion that he is this, you know, he kind of roots neither for or against Ahsoka. It is just the way it will be. And if he has to strike her down, it will be a loss, but it will, it will be a loss that he carries. Uh, similarly, he's not the agent of another star's war. He's just bringing the agent who will bring it in Thrawn and so forth. There's just this great sad weight to him I've joked slash not joked many times before, you know, C-3PO and the red arm and things like that, where sometimes sometimes they're just made to make other Star Wars things, whether it's toys, whether it's, I don't exactly know what the thing is here, but somebody's going to do the video game, comic, you know, holodeck experience, movie, uh, ride, whatever it is, somebody will fill that in later. I hope that that's not the case with Balin, that particularly with the, as I said, the passing of the actor, I hope it's not, you know, well, Marvel comics, star Wars division is going to do the Balin, you know, uh, five part miniseries run to fill in his past. I want it in the next month. He says that Sabine's family died on Mandalore. And that would seem to track with the purge conducted under Moff Gideon. But this detail about them dying 
because Sabine's master didn't trust her. What is that about? That I'm not, I'm not sure about. And I share your, uh, kind of the, the walk through the details there to meet a Mandalorian at this point in the timeline in star Wars that has lost most of her family, her clan, her people in the purge of Mandalore. That is not surprising. Um, this notion that is it her master Ahsoka and those connections there. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not clear on it. And if it, Pete, if you're not clear either, that means that it's not referencing past stuff. So maybe it's setting up future stuff. And if you're telling me that the world between worlds can also sh- show us different points in time, Christmas Carol style, maybe it's a setup for that. What did our rebel friends have to say? We start with Twitter, Pete, where the lowest rank in the poll was Sad Robot. That got 2.9%. Next was uh, Accident in Space. Got 0%. Uh, Next was Where's the Map? Where's the Map? That got 8.8%. And then lastly, Pete, in a quite high rating here with Minds Blown, Epic Madness, the highest of the bunch here, 88.2%. Some replies first from uh major noel gardner who says this was a phenomenal episode i didn't know i needed a droid fight i love the samurai versus medieval knight style of uh lightsaber fighting balin is such a good character morgan is on a mission and nothing stopping her witches usually come in threes could it be morgan shin and sabine maybe the force is not with her hera coming to the rescue with carson teva yay Jason definitely has the force. That ending transition was amazing, and we got the world between worlds in live action. I thought Anakin was going to be in flashbacks. This is so much better. Uh, And Andre Yeager had replied, totally forgot to mention the droid fight. You're absolutely right. I didn't know how bad I wanted it until I saw it. I need more now. Pete, will we get more droid fights, do you think? I don't think so. (sighs) Alas. Uh, We hear more, and probably chronologically first, from Andre Yeager, who said, Now we are cooking with gas. Love the action and drama. Sabine was given an impossible choice in the end, and I really love the ending. Can't wait until next week. Uh, we heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln, TessLC139 on Twitter. I feel like a broken record. I'm sure a few of the PG listeners will understand the comparison, but this is just such a great Star Wars show. Not that the others weren't, but Ahsoka takes it up a notch. Lots of neat duels this time, but my favorite fight involved Hu Yang. And uh, last tweet here comes from Diana Bodenberg, who, by the way, Pete, because I hadn't turned on an alarm on my phone, it was Diana who reminded me, is there going to be an Ahsoka poll? So, (laughs) A, that's my bad. B, thank you, Diana, for helping out the fantastic family here. Uh, But Diana says this, I have so many questions. What did Balin mean when he said Ahsoka caused death and destruction? What exactly was the deal with Marok? Is Sabine really going along with Balin's plan, or does she have ulterior motives? Since we heard the Vader theme after seeing Anakin, and uh, World Between Worlds is outside of space and time, did Vader find a way to access it and disguise himself as Anakin? And mm-hmm. OMG Anakin, it was so exciting and heartbreaking at the same time when I saw him. I also jumped about three feet off my couch. What a fantastic episode. Dave Filoni really is a genius. Is it Tuesday yet? So, Pete, let's start with two of her questions there. Is it Tuesday yet? No. Um, how about this idea? Could the Anakin that we see be a trick from Vader? 
wow. I mean, that would be a way to go. And again, you're left with the the Vader theme. This is ominous. Don't just go on the good vibes of, and then Master and Apprentice reunited in the netherworld of the Force, and it was all good. I mean, the one thing that just I have a little bit of a hard time reconciling, and uh, we haven't even mentioned yet, Matt, that uh, yesterday, Friday, uh, Star Wars upstaged Star Trek Day. And that is because the content that they put out yesterday, the seven-minute Master and Apprentice look at Ahsoka uh, that hit Disney+, Plus. Uh, is better than the 20-minute Star Trek Day thing, which we'll talk about tomorrow, might not even have been intended originally for Star Trek Day. Uh, In that uh, little featurette, if you will, um, they go into the origin of Ahsoka. There's clips with um, Dave Filoni. These are all, you know, previously done things. But uh, George Lucas tells him Anakin had a Padawan. They had done all this pre-work for the uh, the Clone Wars animated series, the, uh, the digital one, not the original uh, two-dimension animated one. And... Um, George likes the design and says that this Tegruta teen will be Anakin's Padawan. Dave Filoni himself says Anakin didn't have a Padawan. And George Lucas says Anakin had a Padawan. When you create the thing, guess what you get to decide? What happened? What happened and what you didn't see? Okay. And though she's never mentioned, again, we're only seeing small snippets in between. Small snips? (laughs) <laughs> uh, we do originally see small snips and you know i think a lot of people when you originally saw ahsoka you were like oh my goodness this is not star wars and now she's synonymous with it um and you you give a character you give uh the the people behind it an opportunity to uh you know state their case and she is a beloved character and i am team ahsoka um Will they, in this nether region, will they, you know, mess around with any of that? Uh, Would they make it so that Darth Vader somehow accessed this? I don't know. We're not clear on the rules of this. And are they different in animation than they are in live action, even though all these stories count? I just don't know, but I will click on this the moment I can. Pete, what feedback do you have on Apple Podcasts? We have a review, Matt, from Dr. Steve T on the Ahsoka podcast by Fantastic Geek Feed. Uh, The headline is best podcast in galaxies near or far, far away. Five stars. And it reads always two asterisk. There are. Matt and Pete have been podcasting for 10 years. Great podcasters, great content. The asterisk then says any reference by this review suggesting that Matt and slash or 
parentheses, not Andor, Pete, or Sith is purely coincidental. That's phenomenal. That's just absolutely phenomenal. As so. Matt says, this belongs on a T-shirt. There you go. We, we might have to make that happen. To the email inbox we go, we hear from Steve Adams, who says, first, I want to touch on a little quibble in the writing. Elsbeth asks a droid how long until the calculations are complete. The droid answers by saying moments. Moments? What kind of an answer is that from a droid? How does a droid <laughs> with a precise program sense of time conceive of something as imprecise as moments? All the droid had to say was one minute. Problem solved. Now we have a story clock. I did like this episode, though. The action scenes were great, as always. The dual lightsaber duel was fun to watch. Which, let me pause his words for a moment, Pete. Have we ever... So there were six lightsabers in that fight. <laughs> that's a lot of lightsabers. That's not, uh, you know, uh, Attack of the Clones amount, but that's, that's, that's a decent number. Anyhow, back to Steve. I keep thinking there's some big reveal about Balin coming, but that may just be me looking for the big twist that isn't necessarily promised. We do need to see more of his past in order to learn about his current motivation, though. Next week looks like uh, to be the flashback episode and the heart-to-heart between Anakin and Ahsoka that we have waited a long time to see. I can't wait. Until next time, stay fantastic. That's from Steve Adams. That's the emotional underpinning here, that these characters are going to get to interact. Now, do we take it at face value? Is there something more behind it? Again, remains to be seen, but the tantalizing nature of that. And, you know, if people can get emotional just from hearing him say snips and she sees him and all of that, imagine what it's going to be like the more that they interact and then what it could all mean and what could happen. It, it certainly was a very, you know, very emotional ending there. Continuing with uh, the email, we hear from Ian, who said, it's Ian Silverman, who says, honestly, I didn't love the first 15 to 20 minutes or so of this episode. Just felt like a lot of pedantic and uninspired dialogue and characters wandering into situations with other characters with whom, for some reason, they had to have a fight with lightsabers and blasters. But, 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 once Sabine showed up at the Sith Star Map Stonehenge place, my feelings about the episode <laughs> totally changed. Her exchange with Balin, her struggling with... I could destroy this thing and make sure Thrawn never returns, but then I'll never see Ezra again. That was excellent. As soon as Ahsoka woke up in the World Between Worlds, by the way, I'm very glad now that uh, was one of the Rebels episodes I rewatched in preparation for the show, I immediately had a hunch that this was where we'd first see Anakin. Huge props to the music editing, too, with that quick turn to just a couple notes in the Vader theme right as we cut to black. If the next episode is the other one that Filoni directed, then to say things are finally poised for an outstanding episode five would be a massive understatement. Might our heroes be hitching a ride with some Purgle? What more does Jason's bad feeling portend? Can't wait for next week. Thanks for everything, guys. Stay fantastic. That's from Ian Silverman of San Diego, California. Thank you, Ian. And I, I think he's all over it here. You know, what, what's going to happen in this world between worlds? I'm glad uh, he's checked it out. Not everybody has, though. And what you have to be careful, too, is to not make that required viewing, because we know with what's gone on with Marvel now, people are like the movies and now the TV shows. Oh, my goodness. This is so much. I can't watch it all. I can't keep track of it. So they're going to have to very carefully show us state 
the rules of, of what this is, if it's even the same, Matt, and make it clear to the viewer. Last email here comes from Josephina Avalos, who says, Hey, fantastic peeps. Okay, let's start here. I remember very clearly during Rebels, the crew of the Ghost were no disciplined trained soldiers. Once a rebel, always a rebel. The only ones who really followed commands were Spectrum 1 and 2. And that's probably because they were in a subtle relationship. But even then, they sometimes went against each other. So it's no wonder Sabine totally lied to Ahsoka about trusting her with the map. The means of the many apparently don't matter here. This ain't no Star Trek. Dude, was it just me or did I feel like the beginning drag? I felt like Morgan and Balin spent a lot of time staring to the ocean's horizon. Uh, and the lightsaber fights were too slow in comparison to the old school fight scenes. There was much anticipating and calculating the opponent's next move. Just go at it. I did like Ahsoka's war face. She's such a bad arse. Uh, in the beginning, the evil Padawan Shin mentioned Ahsoka's ship was about a dozen clicks away. That's almost seven miles. That was some serious running Sabine and Ahsoka did. Yo, the woods totally looked like they were on the set of Frozen with the red autumn leaves and fog slash mist. The evil Padawan Shin reminds me of the young female dancer from the pop artist singer-songwriter Sia uh, from her music writer Chandelier. I can't take her seriously, and I don't regret that decision. <laughs> oh, I could have sworn I heard the theme song of the Phantom Men Menace Choir when Balin said to Ahsoka, your legacy, like your master's, is one of death and destruction. Y'all, I thought a huge ring they were building was meant for Purgle to fit in, like some sort of Stargate. Oh man, Ahsoka is in the World Between Worlds realm again. Maybe she's sensitive to this world because she was reincarnated using the daughter's spirit of the Force. OMG, we see Anakin, and he's wearing his old clothes from Clone Wars, just like how she remembered him. I'm excited to see what's next. They're saying the next episode is supposed to be epic. Till then, I'll leave you with, Mom, I've got a bad feeling. P.S. Happy Star Trek Day. Semper Fi, that from Josephina. I know that Josephina means that in the proper way, not the kind of sad prepackaged way it came across yesterday. <laughs> uh, it came across from the Star Trek people, uh, you mean, of course. Uh, well, Pete, I guess now it's countdown to Tuesday at 9 p.m. Certainly here. Are the movie screenings happening before 9 p.m. Eastern? Do you know? Matt, the screenings start at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in 10 cities. Los Angeles, New York, Seattle, Boston, and Orlando among them. Uh, they will also be held in international cities like London and Bangkok and Sao Paulo. Um, but yeah, uh, many of them, tickets gone, and it'll be an hour before we can push play. All right, so they will have seen it. Uh, I'm not going to stop and wait for what they saw. I'm just going to hit play as they're walking out of a theater. Particularly too, I mean, is it possible that the episode is longer than an hour? Could be. It also could be they say five o'clock, but the internal memo says nobody press, nobody, you know, dear theater person, do not press play until five ten or, you know, whatever it is. Point being theoretically, if we are pressing play at 9 p.m. Eastern, if we are pressing play when it hits Disney Plus, they might still be wrapping up the episode in the episode, that sort of thing. Uh, and Pete, late breaking news. I understand you have some comments from Facebook. 
Yes. First, Scott Cleland had responded to our post for part three, Time to Fly. Just listen to this episode's podcast. Going with whale comparisons, I would vote for a pod of Purgle as opposed to a pack. And I, uh, of course, agree with uh, Scott's correction there. That's a good that that's a good edit there. Well done, Scott. Robert T. Frost writes in, Hello, Matt and Pete. So far, I'm loving the Ahsoka series. I never watched the Clone Wars or Rebels, but between you guys and my son, I'll think I'll be able to keep up with the backstories and references. Out of many thoughts, I'll give just one. Ahsoka has started retraining Sabine, who has less than impressive force control. But she does have skills. I wonder if those skills will become paramount and an equalizer in the new galaxy they are headed for because, and what if, there is no force in the strange new galaxy, a level playing field of sorts? I'm probably Hmm. way off on this theory, as this is Star Wars and the force is central to most stories, but what a twist that would be. Till next time, stay fantastic. Your friend, Bob. I think it's a brilliant prediction. A, I don't think it undoes any of the, you know, ethos of Star Wars to say the Force is limited merely to this giant galaxy which has interstellar travel and has had, you know, is so big that at the height of the Galactic Empire, still there was the Outer Rim with nominal control and the, I don't know if the map in front of me, you know, there's the, it's not the Badlands, but there's the the other areas in the galaxy that you don't go and so forth the notion that in other galaxies there might be no force would be a great twist and you know how many times do we need to be told in these four episodes that sabine is terrible jedi material um because we've been told enough where it's not like but if you actually work really really harder then you do have a shot at being the first you know 98 pound tackle in the nfl you can do it if you believe well sometimes the answer is just no but the idea that you know she's she's made for other challenges in life is a really inspiring notion and pete keeping us inspired every week are those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and lend their support keeping us listener supported throughout these many sojourns to the stars and back again Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to contribute at, but it takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating on this podcast feed on any of our others. Helps us out just as much. And let's keep that Star Wars conversation going for the second half of the season. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter, and threads at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,669 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Can't wait for tomorrow's discussion on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and the Lower Decks feed as we talk about the 
the the two episode premiere of the fourth season of that show if you're here just for star wars we are back next star wars saturday to talk about this supposedly epic fifth episode of the season with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word going somewhere <laughs> <laughs>